On behalf of everyone involved in the start, I'd like to extend a very warm Christian welcome to everyone and thank you all for coming. Let's arise. Ask for us. Our Heavenly Father, with thankful hearts, we come to you. We ask for your presence, your blessings, and your spirit to be among us. We thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to love one another. We thank you for the opportunity to come in prayer. Be with us, guide us, help us in our day-to-day walk with one another to show Christ-like love to one another. Our goal and our teaching through thy word is to be more like Jesus. So help us from this day forward to do that. We pray for thy word, not only here, but throughout the world, wherever it is spoken in truth and sincerity, that you would bless it. So be with us, help us over the next hour, and speak to us, teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Obviously Bible. We're really glad you're here. Welcome to all of you who are with us online. And uh, my name is Josh, and uh, one of the pastors here. And uh, today is just a pretty exciting day as we celebrate our anniversary, our birthday as a church. And so to do that, I thought, you know, it might be good to look back at what were those first days like? And so I've invited to join me here on the platform uh, Tom and Tammy Spiker and Tim and Marla Steffen, and there were two of five families that started, helped to start Wawasee Bible, I should say. And um, tell us, what was that like to start a church? Well, it was, it was kind of blind because, well, let me start here. My grandfather, when he heard we were going to do this, who'd been a pastor for 50 years, he says, Tom, do you have any idea the responsibility you're undertaking? And I said, yes, and I, it turned out I had no idea. I was 33 years old, so I guess ignorance was bliss at that point. But I knew I wanted to honor God. I knew I wanted to be able to talk to people about Jesus without being encumbered by rules and regulations and traditions and customs. And we just set out, and God took it from there. How about for the rest of you? What, what was it like? What? Um, yeah, I'll just leave it wide open like that. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I was trying to look back and remember that Sunday, and strangely enough, I wasn't nervous or afraid because I knew that God was with us, and I really felt like he was leading us and that he was going to provide for us. And like Ephesians uh, 3.20 says, he really did more than we could ever have even imagined or dreamed of. He was there and provided. And Tim, maybe, or Marley, either one, share a little. <laughs> share a little, what were those early days like, in terms, just on a practical level? Because obviously this building wasn't here. This was yeah, a farm. We, we, uh, as Tom, Tom mentioned, the first service, we, we rented the Melford School cafeteria and the gym for the first was it a year, approximately a year, till we built what the, is currently the fellowship hall, and we've 
we moved tables, set up chairs. We used hallways. We used classes for nursery, for Sunday school classes. And so from a physical standpoint, we, we did that. We found, uh, we, we, we rolled a piano in every Sunday to, for the piano because where we came from, it was all acapella. So that was a big step. But as Tom mentioned earlier, we love where we're at today with the, the worship team. So we, at the first service, I think they got a wonderful round of applause, deservingly so. So <laughs> give it up for the worship team. <laughs> so in, in that in that aspect, we've, we've come a long way, and it's, it's just wonderful to see. But as Tom mentioned, he was 33. Marlon, I, I was 27. She was 25. So at that time, 35 did look old, <laughs> as mentioned earlier. <laughs> and I think the, the oldest of the five couples, it was Stephen Marcy Hab and Stephen Joyce Kaiser and Ned and Deb Spiker and us. And I think we all had children. Our oldest was six months old, and I think Ned and Deb's oldest was Dawn, who was 15. And... I think all the rest of us had children. So we were young and excited. And as Tammy mentioned, we didn't, I didn't fear it as a, a step. We just knew God was in it from the previous six months when we had a Bible study and we planned it and decided, let's, let's do it. Some people might be wondering, uh, why'd you do it? Why plant the church? Well, where we came from, I don't want to knock them, but I just knew, it came to a point, I was a lay pastor in that church, didn't last long, I, because I knew that it, I couldn't invite anyone to come to church, and if I, if I did, I would have to explain to them for a long time what we were doing, why we were doing the strange things we were doing. Then afterwards, I'd have to answer that, and you couldn't really talk about Jesus because even if they did want to know Jesus, it was a long, involved process. I simply knew from a personal study of the Bible that we were justified by grace through faith alone, and I really wanted a forum where we could preach that. So from the very beginning, it really was all about Jesus, and we formalized those those uh, core values, what, five, ten years ago, it was really refreshing to know that really, while they were unspoken, the values have not changed in 35 years. Mm-hmm. What, what, was the, what was the hardest part? For me, the hardest part was, and I didn't know this going in, but to prepare, I didn't, you know, in my past, my previous experience, you know, people... Usually once they joined the group, they were pretty, that's just it, you just stayed. I was not prepared for the lack of loyalty. I was not prepared for the lack, for people who weren't reared like we were, which really, I, I, our upbringing was very solid. And so I spent probably in the first 10, 15 years, 90% of my time with 10% of the people very few of whom I thought I could make them satisfied when they weren't. And that's one thing I would do differently. That was the hardest part, the disappointment in people. But the, God was faithful through it all. You know, despite the disappointment with people, people were still coming to know Jesus and the church kept growing. Uh, the hardest thing, I think, for me and uh, having a young family... <clears throat> Uh, was the time commitment. I wasn't prepared for all that. But look, 
looking back, God was so faithful, and he kind of just took that with wonderful church family and uh, family to help. You know, it really does take a village to raise raise kids, and I had so much help, and I'm so thankful for that, and it it all worked out. I remember when we started, we um, all five met in a Bible study, and our study was about Jesus and learning the life of Jesus. And um, when our church started, we all knew that that is what God wanted us to do, was to start a church. So there was no fear there, but the only hard part was we grew up in a church where it was um, generations of family that went there. So it was telling our family and friends, because we had other churches in other states and would travel, we just grew some, a lot of good friends. And so that was hard, but we knew God wanted us to do this, to step out in faith and start the church. So. I think if what everyone shared, it, it was a time commitment, and we all had, we had, everyone had full-time jobs. Tom was a pharmacist, so what made it difficult for him was he was available when people had problems. They'd just show up at his, at his, at his pharmacy and say, yeah, help me out. And so we tried to shield him with that, but we, had, we all had full-time jobs. We had families, and there was a time commitment, so that was challenging, but yet it was very rewarding, and the joy because of it, and where we're at today, we're just thankful for God, each step of the way. My next question is, in light of all those things, and I'm sure there's plenty of others you didn't share. <clears throat> Sorry for my cough. One, would you do it again? And two, did you expect it to last 35 years when you started it? As I said in the first service, someone asked me the first week when they knew we were going to do it, before we'd even had our first service, what, I'd, what I looked for. And I, I, at that point, I said, well, if we had a church of 100 people that was stable in 10 years, I would feel like we were a success. But uh, what was the question? And would, you, <laughs> and would you do it again? Oh, yeah. No, well, yes, I would, but I would do something different. I would spend much more time with new converts and people who wanted to grow in Christ rather than disgruntled people because I honestly can't think of a single case over 35 years where someone who was dissatisfied became satisfied due to my intervention. Uh, one of the hopes and dreams that I had at the very beginning that it would be worth it all if my children and my nieces and nephews were saved and within the first year that happened and I will be ever thankful and praise God for that. <laughs> uh, if we would do it all over again I mean I and what to expect five ten years down the road I I never even gave any thought to will it last five years ten years what will the future hold we just look for God acting day to day and Sunday to Sunday and uh, maybe I was young and naive obviously I was but where we're at today we're thankful for that and I didn't anticipate failure or just, God, God was in it, so we, we went with it. That's great. You know, um, Tom, Tim, others really ha had a lead role being out front, but obviously your whole family, all of your, your, your entire families were involved in this. And um, a lot of times we'll hear from, hear the stories from maybe 
people who are leading out front, but Marla and Tammy, you guys did a lot behind the scenes in uh, things people don't know about. And what, what was it like for you? I mean, what, what, what are some things maybe from your perspective that, uh, we, we heard a little bit some of the challenge, but I don't know, is there anything else you'd add to some of that that just, that was hard? Or that was really good? I shouldn't, I shouldn't go down that road of just automatically saying hard. I didn't really look at it as hard. Yeah. Um, really, it was exciting, and it was exciting the first day we had church and seeing the people come in and just be in awe, in awe of Christ and God for bringing the people. Because we thought if it was just us five, it'd be just us five. But um, yeah, we were there to s- support our husbands. We kind of did behind the scenes stuff, uh, just to help them keep going. And um, I forgot the question before of, would we do it again? Yeah, we would do it again. <laughs> to, to quote Levi Beer, I'm free, free at last. <laughs> Sunday number one. There were some hard times, but there again, Tom's gifts are, are talking to people. My gifts are more behind the scene, and I was totally happy to do that. But sometimes it's hard not to take it personally when you're in leadership. And those were difficult times. But God was always there to help us through that. Yeah, and that's an understatement. And I would say one convert to Christ made 10 disappointments seem distant. It really did. Yeah. And, but I will say this for Tammy. You know, there, it was hard. I will not deny that. And every now and then, Josh will ask me to preach now, and I think, how in the world did I ever do that every week? It had, that had to be a supernatural enablement. It really did with a full-time job. But somehow, every week, something was ready. If she had nagged me, I would have fallen apart, I'm sure. I'm sure. I just know. She was a saint. So, what this church is, I think you can... At least as far as I contributed to it, she's the one to thank as much as me. Yeah, yeah right on. All right, so um, is there anything else you wish people knew about those early days or about ministry or about the church in general? And, and I'm just going to leave it wide open here as we kind of wrap up. And then what are, anything else you want to share and what are your hopes? You mentioned, you know, wishing for it to be 100 people in 10 years. Well, how about now, if you look at 10 years, what, what are, what's your dream, your hope for the church? That... Well, I see no reason why we won't continue to grow. I think we're stable. Our last business meeting, every item put forward got 100% of the vote. That was unthinkable through our history. So I think right now we've got a good core, but I also know that Satan counterattacks when things are going well. I think as long as we stick with God's word and make it all about Jesus, there's no reason to believe that we won't continue to, to thrive. And uh, I just encourage everyone, we all know someone who needs salvation, every one of us. And the hardest thing to do is to say the first word, because most people, even though they act like they don't want to talk about it, will readily talk if you just get started. And you'll be amazed how much you know coming and sitting under the sound of word here. Try it. You'll like it. Anything else to add? All right, well, guys, we're, I, I'm grateful for you, um, just for your friendship, 
for coming up here, putting yourself out here like this today, for following God's lead, planning our church. And um, yeah, just a ton of fruit in my life is, is really your fruit. And so thank you. So thank you. Well, so we're going to do kind of a, a line change, like if we were a big hockey team right now. <clears throat> and we heard, you guys can make your way up, um, uh, the Spikers, the Steffens, and uh, they had mentioned some of the other families too that helped in the early days of our church. And some of you were here in those early days, in those first days. And uh, you, you have stories to tell too. I wish we had time to share all of them. But I thought, you know, um, we heard from that first couple years. Uh, you'll hear from me here in a little bit. Um, and I've been here about half the life of the church. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to hear from some people who are new to Wawasee Bible. And uh, the couples on stage here have been uh, at Wawasee Bible for uh, all of them less than two years, most of them less than one year. What's that? Let me miss. Oh, that's right. Ashley was here. Um, but let's just go around and introduce yourselves, tell us who you are, and uh, how long you've been attending Wawasee. And uh, one, one question um, we asked earlier, I'll ask that again. You know, sometimes uh, people say, well, who'd, either who'd, you know, who's the first person you met, or what was the sermon that day? And nobody remembers the sermon that day, hardly ever. But a lot of times they'll remember maybe what the series was. So maybe tell us that, and we'll go around. Dwayne, I'll start with you. So my name's Dwayne Holderman. This is my wife, Wanda. Um, as I said in the first service, the only reason I remembered the topic of the sermon the first Sunday we came was because my brother reminded me that that's what it was. <laughs> it was Proverbs. So um, what was the other thing I was supposed to say? I forgot already now. So um, <laughs> if I think of it, I'll come back. All right, that sounds good. I'm Byron Bauer. This is my wife, Abby. Um, we've been here since, I think it was the first week of January. And it was, I think it was the first sermon of the First Peter series. I'm Josh, Josh Weaver, and my wife is Ashley. Um, she's back with the kids right now. So uh, we're closing in on about two years in October. So uh, it's been a little bit, but we're still feeling a little new as well. Uh, our first sermon series that we um, got to hear was the series on family, which resonated a great deal because we, if you don't know our story, we actually came from Illinois, and my family is our nearest family, and they're in northwest Indiana, so we're kind of just uh, uh, new to the area, and um, hearing about family and how the church was treating it was uh, really good for us. So I'm Chad Shively, this is my wife Daniela. We've been here for about a year. Our first sermon series was Christians in the Age of Outrage. And we do remember it was the day that the Stiflers, Tim and Robin were dressed up like bumblebees. <laughs> That's fantastic. So um, why'd you come back? I'd like to hear from each of you. You know, what, what brought you back? Um, why have you kept coming? Why, I mean, I think everybody up here in a short time, you've, you've gotten plugged into ministry, you serve somewhere in our church. Um, why? So for me, it was really two things. The preaching's excellent. Um, 
really um, sticks close to God's word. It's very um, encouraging and um, painful at some points. I still have a lot of growing to do, and it really uh, hits home there. And then also just the uh, really friendly nature of, of everyone here. We met so many people each week we came, and um, that was just fantastic to really see Christ's love um, and people willing to walk up and introduce themselves to us. For me, it was um, why we originally came uh, was that um, we were looking for a church that would be good with um, demanding children. We have two kids with special needs, and um, one of the, on um, on one of the Facebook forums for special needs parents of special needs children, this this church was uh, mentioned as a church that. Is, has a good kids ministry where people are patient and um, and good with kids that are um, more demanding. And then we also like the five pillars um, online. So that we, we we read about it before we came here. So we like that, and it was very good to to learn within the first couple of weeks. Um, how true it really was that we could we could see it without it being even mentioned how um, those five pillars were very uh, evident in the life of the church and and that the kids ministry really was that good and uh, that brought a lot of peace um, for us to come and and just relax and and be okay. I think for us, uh, initially, it was the welcome, and Robin and Tim were uh, instrumental in that, and uh, Chad Hoffert also uh, poured a lot of time into us in the early uh, couple weeks that we were here. Um, Beyond that, the core values really resonated with us uh, tremendously, and uh, being a couple, like, I'm an introvert, but I love people. Uh, Ashley, as you could probably tell from her announcements and deliveries, <laughs> is more the opposite. Um, but we both love to be plugged into a church body. And when we were looking in the area, we had probably looked for, we only been here for three months, and we had looked at some places. And um, our first Sunday, we just felt like this was a place where we could plug in both relationally and um, with service. So uh, that was huge for us. Um, so the, the church that we were at before here, we had been, we'd been going for about a year, I want to say a year and a half, and um, some friends that were coming here asked us to come with them, and we were like, okay, we'll try it out, and um, we just, lo- we loved it, and the short amount of time that we've been here, I felt more at home than I did the whole time being there. Um, everyone's just so welcoming and loving and it just feels like home you can um you can feel the spirit moving here and um just really we just love it and i want to just a note ashley was one of the first people i think that i remember saying hi to me and robin so just want to add that yes what what she said about um feeling home definitely uh we weren't truly looking to switch churches when when we came to visit and we both just felt like oh 
this feels right. And um, you know, just the, the, the preaching, the first sermon was, it was right in January, so it was right at the, after the election, the unrest and all this, and uh, you know, like there was no stepping on any, no uh, hesitation to step on toes. People believing, uh, you know, politically this way, this is something you're probably struggling with. People believing this way, this is something you're probably struggling with. Um, it, it, was, it was right on, and, and like they all said, people welcoming, and uh, yeah. So our journey was, we're California kids, and we are going to be here more often now, and uh, so we knew we needed to uh, find a church and get involved. So that's what brought us here. And we've been here for about five months. So, um, and I think what has kept us, yeah, that's what you forgot. And what has kept us here is, um, it was very apparent and is still apparent that this church, uh, Jesus is number one. The word is not compromised, it's not diluted. And a very strong foundation with God's word, which is very encouraging. Five months. I, I didn't answer you when you asked what the question was because I was listening and I forgot for a second too. <laughs> so yeah, we had a few things that we were looking for. First and foremost, a church that taught the Bible and didn't water it down. And, and that was my first impression of, of you, you, Josh. I thought, okay, this church preaches the word. And we were looking for somewhere that we would feel very welcome and welcome, and we did here. We were looking for a church that we could sort of get back involved. Our church in California went from merged and went from 250 to about 5,000. So unfortunately, you kind of get aged out when and that happens. But like I tell people, we're in our 60s, but we can still rock the house when we need to. Which, by the way, I hope you guys are enjoying the music this morning. Um, <clears throat> So we get, the, we get the privilege of playing and worshiping both. And it's, it's awesome and it's, it's incredible. So thank you. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, just one thanks for putting yourself out like this and coming up. And I know there's so many more of you uh, who are new in, in recent years and months and weeks even. And uh, I'd love to hear some of your stories and answers to these same questions. Um, <clears throat> But we heard about what it was like to start the church and to be here in the beginning. And, but what's it like, for those of us who've maybe been here a while, like me, what's it like coming in and being new? What's something you would encourage us on or, or share with us about, about what that's like to walk through those doors for the first time? It's, it's hard coming in uh, new. We, we are not church hoppers, so we find a church and we're there 20 years, 30 years. So we've always been on the, that side of not really being new. So coming here, being new, it's difficult when you walk in the door and you don't really know anybody. But this, this church has done a great job of, uh, of greeting us. It just seems like each week it gets better and better. So, yeah, keep up the good work. And that goes both ways, so we're going to make it our intent to reach out and extend our hand and introduce ourselves as well. Keep doing what you're doing, keep introducing yourselves, we'll try to keep doing the same. Some of us who are a little more introverted, it's a little difficult, 
Uh, I also was going to say in the first service, and I forgot, the, um, the uh, game night, the events, the whole church events, those are great to get to see new faces because, I mean, this is the 1045 service. We rarely make it to the first service because of the little kids. So events where we can all be together are great too. It's hard for me to come up with more things because the church is really good. Um, but one thing that I, I wanted to encourage us with uh, was that as, um, as new people, it is already difficult, but as new people to the area, it's uh, another level of difficulty. And um, if you are introducing yourself, um, find that out. Like if, if they're a person that's new to the area or just new to the church, because there's a whole other challenge or set of challenges that people are, are going through trying to connect with people that way. Yeah. I would say connect with uh, Pastor Dave. He'll show you that sweet spot where uh, new people come in and kind of just look around. I know I did it. Many of you probably did too. So it's a good place to, to meet uh, new people. Yeah. And Dwayne made a comment earlier too that if, if, if you don't know them, they probably don't know you. And so introduce yourself and uh, make, it, make it our habit to be more and more welcoming people and showing them that they're loved so guys again thank you for putting yourself out like this grateful for you and a great encouragement for us to hear from you so we thank them well uh, a couple things just that that I want to share you know 35 years goes fast doesn't it and as I was thinking about today about um all that God has done over those years, and what do you say? What do you add to what he's done? My mind was drawn to uh, the, Paul's letter to the Philippians. And uh, I'm just going to read the uh, first few verses of this letter. And, and if you've been a Christian for any length of time or part of a church, maybe you've, you've heard, you'll, hear, you'll have heard one of these verses for sure, I'm guessing. But you can read along with me. It'll be on the screen Paul writes this, and he's writing to a church in a whole city. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, excuse me, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. And Paul says, and I'm sure of this, this is the one you might recognize, that, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. You're all partakers with me of grace, Paul writes, both in my imprisonment, Paul was writing from prison, uh, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve of what's excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, Paul was thankful for this church because of their partnership. That word partnership is a translation in verse five of a a Greek word uh, called koinonia, And it just has with it this idea that there's this mutual interest, this mutual mission together. Sometimes, uh, you ever heard the word fellowship? Kind of a churchy word. You don't really hear it anywhere else. Well, it comes out of this Greek word, koinonia. 
And I always like to joke, you know, the real fellowship is two fellows in the same ship. They're, they're going the same direction. They're working towards the same end. They have mutual interest in, in what's going on in one another's life and in the, the health of the whole. And that's really partnership in the gospel that, that Paul's writing about. And he says, I, I thank you because of your partnership in the gospel from, he, he was thankful to God for them, for their partnership from the very first day. You know, Paul had helped plant that church. He helped start it years prior. And so he's writing them a letter from prison and just saying, man, I'm so thankful for all of you and for the ways that, that we've partnered in the gospel from, and you've been doing it from the very first day and, and you're still doing it now. <laughs> you know, I think if he was writing a, a letter maybe to our church, to the, you know, as, as Wawaseans, if that was in the Bible, he'd say, I, I, I thank the Lord because of your partnership in the gospel from that first day, September 7th, 1986, even until now. 35 years later. And then he would say something else. He would say that I'm confident that he who began a good work in you uh, would bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, have you heard that verse before? Maybe, maybe you have and you read it and you say, he who began a good work in you. And you think, man, yeah, God began a good work in me. He did, but if, if you've trusted Christ, you become a Christian, He's begun a great work in your heart. And he's faithful to complete what he started in your life. Now, is that true? It's absolutely true. I mean, that's what grace is. It's God doing all of that in your life. But you know, when Paul's writing this, uh, the good work he's referring to is, it includes the good work in you individually, but one of the, one of the drawbacks of English is that um, our first and second person pronouns, sorry, I made you think about English class in high school again. Our first and second pronouns, our second person pronouns, singular and plural, excuse me, are the same. So you can mean you individually, and you can also mean you plural. If we were in the South, we'd say y'all. There's you and there's y'all. Well, what the word Paul uses here in Greek, there are two different words. And the word Paul uses over and over and over here in Philippians 1 isn't you individually, it's y'all. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in y'all will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, in your handout today, every time there's a plural you that could be translated y'all, I made it italicized for you to be able to see and that good work that Paul's really referencing here is their partnership in the gospel. It's their partnership. From the very first day their church started, even until now. And so we see that he began the good work. Well, who's he? Any idea? It's Jesus, yeah. It's Jesus. See, Paul says, I'm sure of this, that Jesus, who, who began the good work in y'all, who started the church... See, we, we, had, uh, we had Tom and Tammy and Tim and Marla with us on stage and there were others there in the beginning who, who helped start our church. But do you know who really started it? Jesus did. He began the good work, didn't he? And not only that, but he'll bring it to completion. He'll, he'll complete it. And so it just tells me, just kind of as we wrap here, that when Jesus starts churches, he's the one who started our church. That's why we say Jesus is the senior pastor. I'm the lead pastor now, 
but not forever. You know, my, my hope would be that God would let me be here for the rest of my life, but my hope also is that if Jesus doesn't come back in my life, that that's not the end of the church, that it continues and there's another lead pastor. But throughout all of it, Jesus is the senior pastor. Jesus starts churches, and, and by the way, also, uh, Jesus closes churches sometimes. Did you know that? Now, sometimes churches just run a life cycle and uh, like, like any other organization, and they just reach the end of that life cycle in a healthy way. But sometimes Jesus uh, is instrumental in closing churches. Uh, and for a couple reasons. Uh, we read in the beginning of Revelation, uh, Jesus actually sends some letters to some individual churches, and sometimes he closes a church because it's unfaithful to the truth. It's unfaithful to God's word. One of our core values is God wrote it all down, and everything we need to live the Christian life is, is here for us. We're to believe it in all that it says, trust it in all that it promises, obey it in all that it commands. But, but sometimes... Um, Jesus will close the church if they're not faithful. For instance, the church in Pergamum, this won't be on the screen, but you can listen. Uh, Jesus has John write a letter uh, to the angel of the church in Pergamum. An angel is a translation of a word that means messenger. So it, I kind of lean towards the idea that he's writing to the pastor of this church in the city of Pergamum. The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, that's Jesus. He says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. In other words, they live in a really hard culture, in a hard place. Yet you hold fast my name, Jesus says, and you didn't deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you. But I do have a few things against you. See, uh, you have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. Uh, practice sexual immorality. Some of you also hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. I'm not going to go into the details of what those things are, just for the sake of time, but uh, suffice it to say, they, they quit holding fast to the truth and started teaching things that, that weren't true, that, that, that aren't according to God's word. And so sometimes Jesus closes churches because of that. Other times, though, uh, you can have a church that's really faithful to God's word, but really low on the measure of love of that church. See, sometimes Jesus closes a church because of their lack of love. That was uh, his warning to the church in Ephesus. Uh, to the angel, the messenger, the pastor, however you want to understand this, to the church in Ephesus, write the words of him, of Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hands, who walks among the golden lampstands. Just talking about Jesus, it's a metaphor of Jesus' authority over the church. He says, I know your works. I know your toil, your patient endurance, how you can't bear with those who are evil and how you've tested those who call themselves apostles but aren't and you found them to be false and you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you haven't grown weary. He's like, you're enduring, you're holding fast to what's true, you're guarding the truth, you're, uh, it's good. Isn't that good? And then Jesus says this to him. He says, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. You've abandoned it. So remember from where you've fallen and repent. Do the works you did at first. If not, I'll come to you and I'll remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. In other words, I'll close the church. See, a church can be really 
uh, errant in terms of teaching God's word and Jesus will sometimes close that church or allow it to dwindle. Other times though, a church might be totally faithful to God's word except in living it out. And there's no love. And, and that idea of, of, of you've abandoned that love you had at first is, is, is uh, I think, a reference to Jesus' command of, of what is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, there's a second that's really close to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And the love that's abandoned is a love for Jesus and a love for others. So sometimes Jesus closes churches if they're unfaithful to his word or if they're unfaithful to his mission of loving people. But the good news is he will sustain the churches that are faithful to him in those things, that are faithful to teach God's word and to, to hold it in high regard, and that are faithful also then to live it out and to love people in the same way they've been loved and to love Jesus with all their heart and to strive for that. And he's faithful to sustain. I think he's been faithful to sustain us because by his grace and his grace alone, we've been able to do those things. And by his grace and grace alone, we continue to. And by his grace and grace alone, my prayer and hope is that we will continue to be able to. In fact, all the things that Paul said to the church in Philippi, I'm gonna wrap up here, then we're gonna sing and call it a morning. But all the things Paul said to that church, if, if I were writing a letter to you, I'd say the same things, other than hopefully the prison part. I love you and I care about you and uh, I'm, I'm honored to be your pastor. And uh, I would pray the same thing for you and I do that Paul prayed for the church in Philippi. He says, and it's my prayer for you that your love might abound more and more. That you'd be faithful in your love for Jesus and for one another but not just that. Notice also, uh, with knowledge and all discernment, you'd be faithful to the truth so that you might approve what's excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So friends, that's my prayer for you and for me, that we'd be faithful to love, we'd be faithful to the truth, faithful to Jesus, and that he'd sustain us for, unless he returns, many, many more generations. Let me pray.